Mobile is the future. Use it to power up your profits. Welcome to Mobile Power and Profit, presented by Rumble. Our show focuses on the latest news and information impacting mobile marketers, publishers, and technologists. We speak with the power players of mobile monetization. WebmasterRadio.fm presents Mobile Power and Profit, presented by Rumble. Please welcome our host, Wen Tiu. Welcome to Mobile Power and Profit, presented by Rumble, the ultimate platform to run your mobile business. This is your host, Wen Tiu, and each week we discuss a key aspect of the mobile industry with the mobile thought leader. An app is not a mobile strategy, but just the tip of a much larger and more sophisticated iceberg. And for the first time, 80% of all online adults now own a smartphone. This milestone underscores one crucial fact for any organization. As the number of mobile users rises, so do the opportunities to reach their target audience and increase revenue. But how exactly do you get the most out of your mobile internet users? Today, we have Connor Mason from Punchkick Interactive to tell us how a great mobile strategy can help companies of all sizes reach more customers and maintain a strong industry advantage. Connor is a marketing technologist at Punchkick Interactive, where he helps solve clients' business objectives with creative applications of digital technology. Prior to Punchkick, he was a content strategy at Emerging Marketing. Welcome to the show, Connor. Thank you so much for having me. So... Connor, you know, everyone knows mobile is big, um, everyone's talking about it, um, but it gets very complicated. So what are some key things that companies must take into account for when they're designing their mobile strategy? Yeah, absolutely. Um, there are a lot of different things that, that we look at when we're thinking about, you know, where an opportunity is for a company with a mobile app. But the biggest thing that we think about is designing for the end user um, and thinking you know, every decision that we make, uh, whether it's, you know, where to put a button in an interface or kind of the core feature set for an application is all based in this user-centric design and thinking, yeah. you know, the people who are actually going to be using this, they, they won't actually engage with the app or even download it if it doesn't offer some value to them um, and if it isn't kind of aligned with their needs and their expectations. So that's a huge, huge part of everything we do is, is starting with what the user expects, starting with what the user wants from a mobile experience and kind of building from there. Yep. So we've done dozens of interviews on the show here and everyone says user experience is key. It has to be seamless. It has to be fast. It has to be easy. But no one goes into building a mobile app wanting it to be sucky. Um, they're always sure. to make it good. So what are some common challenges or mistakes that companies face when they build out their mobile app? Absolutely. So a lot of, a lot of companies uh, will kind of dive into development early. And you know, what we see is a lot of companies will make a lot of assumptions about what the user wants without ever going and validating any of those. Um, so in, with Punchcakes clients, with a lot of the, the projects we take on, we invest a lot of time in user research and testing upfront, um, and putting kind of, you know, low fidelity wireframes or prototypes in front of people so that we can kind of gauge their reactions and start to validate any of the hypotheses or the, the assumptions that we've made in the process so that, you know, by the time it actually reaches the market, we can kind of guarantee that ROI certainty versus just, you know, kind of going with our gut and trying to develop something on day one that might not be aligned with what the user wants. So that, that's a, a big way that we overcome that. And, and a lot of companies we see will 
take shortcuts in the the development effort or you know with a lot of the technologies that they choose and that that can incur a lot of technical debt up just up front so if you know there are a lot of platforms out there that are right once deploy anywhere and it makes it kind of uh, seamless to, to spin up a mobile app for Android iOS whatever um, but those types of things they don't scale very well to enterprise apps and down the road when you know if you want to add a new feature or you want to iterate on the platform or iOS 9 comes out you need to change some things it can be kind of like a house of cards and so we always kind of think up front, we start with the strategy. What does the user want? How can we make this something that they'll love to use? But then also we think about the technology as, you know, this has to be evergreen. This is something that has to be supported for a really long time. And, and it needs to be easy for the business to kind of iterate upon that. So what are some um, key characteristics of technology or capabilities that they have so that they're evergreen, that they can adapt to the changing mobile tech ecosystem? Yeah, no, that's a great question. So on iOS and Android, there are a lot of, you know, they're constantly changing. Every year there are developer conferences that come out with a lot of new ways of doing things. Um, but there are some things that kind of remain true, right? So we, we at PunchKick, we write native code for native platforms, whereas some of these, you know, uh, right once deploy anywhere platforms are, are based on web technologies. Or they're, they're trying to find kind of the, the lowest common denominator between Android and iOS, for example. Yeah. Um, so, when we write with native code, we're doing things kind of the way that, that Google or Apple would prefer us to do them. And that allows us to stay on top of the latest technologies that they're coming out with. When Apple comes out with Swift, for example, we can start building features in Swift without having to reinvent the entire app. Yeah. Um, and so just thinking, writing for the platform that you're designing for and, and building the technology in such a way that it's always going to be scalable, it's going to be something that is we're planning for iteration. We're planning for future uh, feature iterations. Um, that's that's key, uh, and we do that really from the very beginning. So iteration seems to be a regular theme that I hear of people who are really you know doubling down and really making a bet on mobile. What is sort sure. of the timeline cycle in which you and your clients iterate on? Like once a year, twice a year, four times. What's the right sort of state of mind of how many times you're going to iterate to continue to improve and make your app relevant? Sure. So it really does depend on the project and on the client. Um, and it comes down to kind of the scope of the of the project that we're working on and the scope of the features that we, we are iterating. Um, but we've had clients who were on kind of a waterfall development methodology where they kind of do every piece of the of the chain in sequence and then they, they launch an app and that could take, you know, six months, eight months for them to do that. And what we've been able to do is we use agile scrum development methodology. And that means that, you know, we build a minimum viable product. We kind of decide, okay, these five features are the most important things. We'll do those yeah. first. And then once it's in the market, we can start to test it, see what people like and start to kind of go in that direction. Um, so we've been able to get many of our clients down to 30 day release cycles, down to two week release cycles. So it, it does definitely depend on the project, depend on the audience and kind of what their expectation is for iteration. But once you kind of build this way and once you kind of build with the expectation that this is a product that's going to grow, um, those limitations go away and, and you really won't be constrained to some kind of really long development cycle. Got it, got it. So what other um, pitfalls do you see clients or other companies fall into? Um, you said, number one, they sort of bet on a technology that isn't flexible, and so they're sort of in debt to that. Another one is that they don't spend as much time or they make too many assumptions on the user experience. What are some other pitfalls that you, you see that's sort of common in the marketplace? 
Sure. A lot of, a lot of companies kind of want a, a mobile app that will do everything. And so they, there gets to be kind of a feature creep with a lot of applications on the app store, especially enterprise apps where they want one mobile property that does pretty much everything that you could possibly imagine. And in many cases, that's not the right tool for the job. In some cases, yes, it's great to have a flagship app that does most of the core features, but um, there's a lot to be said for smaller applications that do very specific things for users and have a much more limited uh, or narrower feature scope. And so we strategize around, okay, what are the mobile properties that you need to have to address all of your different users' needs? Um, and then is that one app? Is that three apps? What does that look like? And then for those secondary apps, those kind of ancillary apps, um, many of those can be uh, affinity apps, really. They're, we have a lot more flexibility with what we can do because they're not necessarily held to the same standards that the flagship app would or the same yeah. expectations. Um, so they can be kind of affinity apps that build brand affinity that users get a ton of value out of, but aren't necessarily pushing a product or service directly, right? They're just kind of trying to offer value, be part of the conversation and offer, uh, make, make users have an affinity towards the brand just because of the value that that app provides to them. So I would say that, you know, trying to shoehorn everything into one mobile experience and not thinking of it as an ecosystem is another pitfall that, that some clients have, have overcome with us and that we see a lot of industry, uh, companies doing. So when you talk about, you know, an ecosystem of apps, you have a flagship app, you have affinity apps, where do sort of short time um, marketing apps that I've seen out in the market in which they're pushing a competition or sweepstakes that it seems like these are short lived apps? How does that fit into a portfolio? Sure. So those can have a very good um, presence within a portfolio. There's a lot of use for those kind of one-off uh, event-centric apps or things like that. Um, one big thing that we always go into applications planning for is kind of the the exit strategy, if you will. So just making sure that, yes, of course, these things are evergreen, but you need to know that these can be sunsetted at some time. We have a plan for that. And how do you offload users to different pieces of your your mobile ecosystem? So for example, we have a couple of clients who do those event apps. They do applications for specific events. And when those events have lapsed, we, we have a graceful way to say, okay, great. Thanks so much for using this app. You can migrate all of your data over to this other app. And there's some easy ways to do that uh, with app groups in iOS and similar technologies on Android uh, so that user data is preserved and it just kind of works together. But that, that's a huge part of, of planning these apps up front is knowing, okay, this isn't going to last forever necessarily. When it comes time to kind of sunset this app, what do we do? And how, how do the users have a graceful experience going into the next app? Great. Well, we've been learning so much about how to develop a successful mobile product in the digital age with Connor Mason from PunchKick Interactive. Stay tuned. We'll be back shortly with more mobile power and profit right after this break. Stay tuned for more mobile power and profit after this brief profit timeout. Whether you are an online business or domain name investor, you need access to the best names. With over 270 million domains already registered, finding the right names at the best price requires a great wingman. Namejet.com puts you in the pilot seat by giving you fast and unparalleled access to some of the best premium and expired domain names on earth. As the number one domain name auction platform, Namejet.com is the best place to find domains for your business or investment. So light the afterburners to the domain name aftermarket and fly over to Namejet.com at mock speed to get great domains today. Namejet.com. 
Introducing Rumble, the smart mobile management system, the first end-to-end mobile platform where you can make real-time app modifications from a point-and-click dashboard. Want to change the design of your app? Point-click, and it's live in real-time. Want to change the ad map of your app? Point-click, and it's live in real-time. Want to change the content mix of your app? Point-click, and it's live in real-time. Power your mobile business with Rumble. Are you ready to rumble? Visit www.rumble.me. Finding links to improve your rankings in the search engines is time-consuming and frustrating for many of us. The Hoth is the go-to company to help lighten your link-building load. Their white-label SEO was made specifically for agencies, in-house SEOs, and affiliates. The Hoth also offers high-quality custom local citation building to improve search rankings in Google's Maps and localized results. Providing fulfillment for some of the largest SEO companies in the world, The Hoth offers link and citation building services you can trust. Get $20 in link building or citation building credits free by going to thehoth.com slash radio. T-H-E-H-O-T-H dot com slash radio. Giving you the power to increase your profits. This is Mobile Power and Profit, presented by Rumble, only on webmasterradio.fm. Once again, here's Wen Tu. Welcome back to Mobile Power and Profit. Connor Mason has been teaching us a lot about successful mobile strategies. So companies know that workload doesn't finish when the app is live in the market. They also have to work hard to continually improve its performance, to deliver an effective user experience. So Connor, how can organizations looking to fully embrace mobile better focus their resources once the app goes live in order to help engage and form and forge new opportunities with their customers? Sure. I think a big part of that is kind of getting to a mental place where, you know, these apps are evergreen, right? So we were just talking about apps that can be sunsetted at a certain time or tied to events. And that's, that's makes a lot of sense within, you know, marketing initiatives and within the mobile ecosystem. But for our clients, we, we treat these as products, right? These are apps are not uh, a, like an advertisement. They're something that have to have a, a life cycle. Uh, you iterate upon them. And so the expectation is that, you know, these are, are evergreen investments, the technology, the user centricity, all of this stuff has to be designed around its full product life cycle. Yeah. Um, so we, we don't treat our clients' apps as a development project and then we just, you know, leave it and say good luck. Um, this is something where we build relationships. We think really, really long and hard about, okay, what is the full scope of this thing? After somebody's been using this app for six months, what do they expect? And, and just treating it like a product and having a dedicated strategic mind on the project um, is something that can kind of guarantee mobile success. And that's where mobile agencies come in, like PunchKick. And, and PunchKick thinks with strategy first and, and kind of carries that strategy through the entire life cycle of the project. So when you talk about making sure, you know, you're, you're thinking of apps as a product and thinking about the life cycle, um, one of that is obviously, you know, to increase the lifetime value of each and every user that comes across the app. How, sure. how do you guys sort of um, push that um, and make sure that the users are engaged so to increase the lifetime value? Well, I mean, just up front, one of the best things you can do to kind of guarantee engagement is offer that value to users right up front. So if the app is really aligned with what users want and their expectations and it's easy to use, it's got a delightful user experience, that's something that people will want to use, they'll kind of seek out. Um, but then there are a lot of strategies to 
keep people coming back to the application and engaging them, you know, within the app and outside of the app. One of the most popular ones, obviously, is push notifications uh, to try to, you know, it's a push strategy to say, hey, come on back to the app. There's some new content for you to enjoy. But a better way almost to do that is relying on game theory um, and thinking about gamified mechanics in the application that will keep people coming back to try to compete against themselves or improve upon whatever it is that they've been doing, hit personal goals. We find that game theory is a very, very prevalent and uh, effective way of getting users to engage with apps more fully and really want to keep coming back. A great example is like Candy Crush. Uh, Candy yeah. Crush is a, an application that makes billions of dollars. And it's successful because it plays into users' ex- expectations for game theory and kind of what they what makes them happy when they're using an application. It has little successes. It has broader goals that you're working towards, and it's always giving you a sense of your context towards that completion. And there are things you can learn about that and apply to enterprise applications that can make them very, very effective. So obviously Candy Crush is the holy grail of addictiveness, right? Like there are- Sure. <laughs> There's so many jokes about how addictive people are to Candy Crush, but how, like, do you have any examples of how you were to, to translate that philosophy and that way of thinking to enterprise apps that is a little bit more bland than, you know, matching up uh, candy wrappers together? Right, right. Um, so for some of our applications, we have a, a client who's in the healthcare insurance space. Um, and for them, uh, we built an affinity app that would allow users to kind of track their physical behaviors, track their steps, and, and kind of keep track of their physical wellness. But then simultaneously, uh, it would walk them through guided meditation and kind of help them with their mental wellness. Um, and that was something that had a lot of gamified components because people are trying to improve upon their, you know, weekly or, or daily goals for meditation. They could log their meditation minutes. Um, there, there would be push notifications that it would say, hey, how's your mood right now? And then it would correlate those moods to their level of uh, meditation for the day. So if they meditate a lot and they have a great mood, then hey, guess what? It's working. This is great. And so we see a ton of engagement in that application because people, number one, they're trying to hit these personal goals that they've set for themselves. Um, and number two, it's a really great way to keep people coming back to the application and finding value every time they open it up. Um, and so that's been a huge success for that client, and it's something that uh, takes advantage of a lot of new technologies. It's just been a, a kind of a cool app, but the, the core of it is that gamified mechanic where people just want to hit their personal goals. They want to have a new personal best, and they like to see their progress towards some kind of completion state. Yeah, it definitely really falls into the measured self uh, trend that's been going on ever since Fitbit sort of hit the market. So that brings me to, you know, Every year, every six months, Google or Apple is introducing a new OS system that uh, features some new thing, whether it's uh, monitoring your heartbeat, whether it's sort of like animated pictures, um, what have you. How do you work with your clients to, number one, make sure they're not disrupted by all these new things coming out? But more importantly, number two, how they can quickly take advantage of these new features that either Android or um, Apple via the iOS is introducing in the market. Sure, that's a great question. So, um, you know, we talked about planning for all of these new iterations and all the new technologies that are coming out and making it so that these applications are ready to receive these new features and ready to be compatible with whatever it is that Apple and Google are coming out with. Um, but really, our philosophy is just because you can integrate these new technologies doesn't mean that you necessarily should. And so in some cases, we, we protect our clients from themselves because, at, like you said, there are new technologies every day. There are new things coming out, and not all of them are necessarily the right tool for the job for whatever the product is that we're talking about. And so 
yes, it's very easy to integrate a lot of these technologies, but where PunchKick provides value is, is assessing the landscape, understanding, okay, all of these new things are coming out. These two things are the ones that you should really pay attention to because they're aligned with your user. They're a better way to solve this problem that, that meets this business objective for you or whatever it really is. Um, so we can kind of you know, from an agency perspective, we're able to see the forest for the trees and identify those technologies that will really move the needle for our clients versus just doing technology for technology's sake. So this might be a, a hard question, but I'll, I'll throw it out there anyway. So, you know, if there are clients out there that have an app that they're just unhappy with, what's the magical question that you ask that, that client to sort of open their minds to perhaps another way of thinking about their product? Sure. I think for a lot of our, for all of our apps, we think about, you know, number one, what do we want the user to feel when, we, when they're engaging with this application? And the way we get to that is, you know, thinking about what is a user doing three minutes before they open the app and three minutes after they close the app. And that gives us a lot of information about their context, what their expectations are going into the app. And it kind of aligns us to their point of view and helps us to prioritize some of the, the uh, ideas or features that we might have even before we put it in front of real users. So for applications that are not successful at the moment, for apps that are having a lot of trouble engaging with users or getting downloads or whatever, we start with that core question of what is it that we're trying to get users to feel? What are we trying to get them to experience so that all of our other considerations can kind of fall in line behind that objective of, okay, we're trying to make them you know, feel X, Y, and Z. That means that this feature, this feature, this feature all have to align with that goal and make them feel that way. So that's, that's kind of the unifying theme is, is user centricity and making sure that anything, any decision we're making uh, is aligned with what the user wants. Yeah, it's definitely a lesson in seeing the forest amongst the trees. Um, this has been Connor Mason revealing the secrets of successful mobile strategies that ensure lasting engagement. Keep listening for more mobile power and profit. Stay tuned for more mobile power and profit after this brief profit timeout. Hey, this is Danny Sullivan to talk to you about Bruce Clay Incorporated. They've made Inc. Magazine's list of growing private businesses and have exhibited and sponsored at my conferences since the very beginning. You've seen their search engine relationship chart or you've read their SEO code of ethics, seen other SEO experts, but did you know they can help you with PBC, web analytics, web design, marketing strategy, promotion, and branding? Yep, get everything you need for success in the online marketplace. You can check it out from the professionals at Bruce Clay Incorporated. For over 10 years with offices worldwide, they've got the answers you need. Check them out today at BruceClay.com. Oh yeah, my day is done. Time for happy hour. You're already done for the day? Yeah, because I use CertifiedKnowledge.org. Their PPC tools literally save me hours every day. How do you keep on top of all of Google's new features? Easy. With Certified Knowledge, their interactive learning modules keep me up to date. And if there's something I don't know, I can watch their video lessons without having to hunt around the Google help files. Great. I'm ready to expand my knowledge. Hi, I'm Brett Geddes. I'm the only leader officially supported by Google to teach the advanced track of the AdWords Seminars for Success. I personally recommend CertifiedKnowledge.org as your one-stop shop for all your PPC needs. Learn. Optimize. Connect. Be smart. Go to CertifiedKnowledge.org now. InternetMarketingNinjas.com is the online dojo of the highly trained and skilled Internet Marketing Ninjas. Disavow documents, reconsideration requests, Panda and Penguin penalties. Let our superior SEO ninjas confront all of your link-related issues. The Internet Marketing Ninjas are equipped to master any marketing exercise, content creation, authorship, link building, PPC, and more. 
Plus, build more buzz for your brand with our social media marketing strategy. Discover all that the Internet Marketing Ninjas can do for you. Visit the online dojo now at internetmarketingninjas.com. Giving you the power to increase your profits. This is Mobile Power and Profit, presented by Rumble, only on webmasterradio.fm. Once again, here's Wen Tu. Thank you for staying tuned to Mobile Power and Profit. Increasingly, retailers are looking to beacons to enhance the in-store shopping experience while simultaneously bridging their physical and online experience. We've been talking to Connor Mason from Punchkick Interactive, telling us lessons about how to create a, a successful mobile strategy. But Connor, you know, when you connect sort of the mobile app product with the physical world, um, for instance, with beacons, how do beacons work and what can we realistically think retailers can offer to their customers using the connection between the physical and the mobile worlds? Sure. So um, iBeacon hardware is, uh, they're, they're essentially Bluetooth transmitters uh, that will communicate with a native app running on an iPhone or an Android device that can tell the app really just their unique identifier. And then based on that unique identifier, the app can kind of assess where that beacon is in space. So if you've got 10 beacons, they're numbered 1 through 10, for example, uh, the phone can kind of say, okay, I'm closer to beacon 6 than I am to beacon 8. That means I'm in this relative location inside of a retail environment. So it's it's a pretty sophisticated technology. It's very cool what they're able to do with, with Bluetooth nowadays. But um, it's one of those things where retailers want to deploy these. We've seen a lot of different retailers deploying these, and some of our clients are investing in these as well. And what we've found is that rolling out iBeacons in and of themselves don't really offer any value unless they're tied into a much broader marketing strategy. Um, if they're one component uh, in, in the broader marketing initiative, then they can be very effective to understand users' behavior inside the stores. And then also they can push messaging to users based on where they're standing in the store and what unique product they're looking at. So uh, one of the best examples of this is in Apple retail locations, actually, oddly enough. Um, you can get segmented notifications and messaging and product information based on the the table that you're standing in front of. So if you open the Apple Store app inside of an Apple Store, uh, it will say, hey, we know you're looking at the iPad right now. Here's some information about it. And it's just, it's a really great way to kind of augment the purchasing decision experience and, and help provide information in this kind of engaging uh, digital way. Um, and that's that's where beacons can kind of fit into a broader product strategy to, to give people uh, a nice in-store experience and educate them about a product. So should consumers be excited about them? There's say, wow, you know where I'm at. And then there's the creepy factor of, wow, you know where I'm at. Um, sure. So what's sort of the, you know, what, what's the verdict? Uh, I think that if they're deployed very well and if they're actually providing value to customers and kind of doing things that, that people need or want, then yes, absolutely, people should be excited about them. Um, in many of the deployments we've seen uh, that, that major retailers have kind of rolled these things out, they're not providing value to consumers quite yet. And so in many, many cases we see uh, there's, there's no reason to be excited about them short of, yeah, the retailer's getting a lot of really great analytical data about where people are moving. Um, and speaking to the, the kind of creepy factor of these things, it's 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 nice to know that the, the beacons themselves can't communicate to the internet. Uh, they can communicate to uh, the mobile device, to the native app, and then the native app can share anonymized you know, usage data, analytical data, um, the same way it would about any other part of the app. So it's, it's, 
they they are kind of creepy because it does know where you are, but really it's it's the same type of experience that you would get from just using a native application. So, you know, it, it's helpful to know that beacons can't communicate to the internet, so they can't, you know, collect data and turn around and give it to someone else. But what are the privacy implications? Do, can people expect more privacy when they walk into a brick-and-mortar store? Sure. I think... Uh, no more than you know having a, a surveillance camera in the ceiling of the store. This isn't something that can log information about you or start to understand your movement throughout the store. Really, what it, the value it can provide to retailers from an analytical perspective is understanding foot traffic, understanding the the points of interest within the store, maybe you know adjusting their planograms uh, accordingly. Um, but this isn't something that you're going to be able to grab information about people just because they walk by a retail location. It isn't quite a risk to that degree, but it is something to to think about is, is how can we be respectful and, and make people feel comfortable with these beacons kind of communicating passively to their phone. And from a user perspective, if they just deactivate the Bluetooth antenna on their phone, they, these aren't things that are even going to come up. So it is, it is something that you need to be smart about it. You need to make sure that it's not uh, overbearing and it's not communicating with people obtrusively. Um, but overall, it's, it's very similar to a lot of technologies that already exist. Well, we're coming to the end of our show right now. We have a few more minutes. Connor, is there a place where our listeners can contact you if they want more information or any resources that you would like to point them to when they're thinking about their mobile strategy? Absolutely. So our website is punchkick.com. I mean, you can go there and, and reach out and talk to a strategist. We've got a great strategy team here who can help kind of uh, hone in on a product idea. And you're a company that has uh, a mobile initiative on the table or something that you're looking into. We can really help define that and, and ultimately kind of bring it to life. We have a lot of white papers on our website. We did a webinar recently, all focused around how to use technology to better communicate with users and better connect with all of our our clients' audiences. So we did one about Apple TV and TVOS last week, and that's available on our website as a free download. So if you want to check that out, it's it's punchkick.com. Well, it's been great having you on the show, Connor. Thank you. Thank you so much. And to all our listeners, remember, you can find this and more podcast episodes of Mobile Power and Profit in the iTunes store, or simply go to mobilepowerandprofit.com. Tell us what you thought of today's episode on social media using hashtag RumbleMPP. Thanks for joining us for this week's episode of Mobile Power and Profit presented by Rumble, the ultimate platform to run your mobile business. The opinions expressed on this program are those of the guests and hosts and do not necessarily reflect those of WebmasterRadio.fm's management or sponsors. Any rebroadcast or redistribution without authorized consent of WebmasterRadio.fm is prohibited.